Give it up, baby. I've studied all your moves. Yeah, study this! <laughs> What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Forbidden Technique podcast on the Fight Side Podcast Network with myself, your host, Silas Martin, and unfortunately, my usual co-host, Christian, wasn't able to make it today. Had some stuff going on, uh, but a Fight Side OG, Fenyo, has graciously stepped in last minute. Yeah, thanks for jumping in, Fenyo. What's going on, dude? I'm doing all right. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm here to talk fights, as I usually do. Yep, uh, we're just today hitting a recap since uh, there's no UFC card this weekend. Um, so we're just hitting a recap of the pay-per-view just gone UFC 283 in Brazil. Uh, in the main event, Jamal Hill captured the vacant light heavyweight title from Glover Teixeira in a mostly one-sided ass-whooping. Um, Svenja, you, you picked Jamal Hill. Uh, me and Christian unanimously picked Glover Teixeira, mostly based on... Uh, Jamal Hill getting taken down a bunch by Tiago Santos, uh, who wasn't able to convert it into much control or sustained offense, but was doing more with it as the fight was going on. And um, I just thought with the difference in like quality of positional grappling with Glover Teixeira compared to Tiago Santos, that if he got those entries, he was going to be able to do more with them. Um, and he mostly wasn't at all. I think he secured a couple of takedowns, but Jamal Hill was... Uh, really sharp with uh, digging underhooks and then just constantly punishing Glover with a uh, good body work f- uh, from the start of the fight and um, just kind of pieced him up from range. Um, uh, didn't just constantly like, walk onto shots, really made Glover Teixeira come to him and just picked him off on the way in repeatedly in a way that we've seen has been an issue for Glover Teixeira in matchups in the past, but... Um, I wasn't necessarily sure if Jamal Hill was poised to replicate. Um, so I, I, I was pleasantly surprised by Jamal Hill because I, I, I thought if he won, it was just going to be, you know, Glover Teixeira looking like the better fighter and then just getting clocked and dying out of nowhere or just getting nuked in like 13 seconds like the Rumble fight again or something like that. And Jamal Hill uh, beat him much more comprehensively than um, Jerry Prochowska did. So... Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what did you think of this one, Benio? I was very impressed with the performance. I mean, I picked Hill, but I was expecting him like to get a KO to for Glover to look worse. Actually, I think he looked pretty much the same that he's been looking for the last few years. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I think um, Hill just fought a a very good a very good discipline fight. Um, he was very urgent with the with the underhooks, as you said. Um, the the footwork was good when defending takedowns. He was he was making sure to circle out of position. He was punishing Glover in the clinch. Um, he kind of got away from the clinch later in the fight. I think he thought it was risky. Not sure, but he was doing good stuff. Um, I think he surprised Glover early, going orthodox instead of southpaw. Uh, but he did good work uh, jabbing from both sides. Um, the snap kicks to the body. I'm pretty sure they contributed for. Uh, to Glover getting tired. And then uh, a little bit of body work, I think. And, and also like the head kicks were uh, were like a big factor. And that's, I think, uh, I think it's 
safe to say that Hill is like a smart fighter inside the cage. Um, he took advantage, he made adjustments. Even if he came like well prepared, he still had to make adjustments because Glover is so tough and he keeps pushing forwards. So it was um, setting aside who is like the best like heavyweight fighter in the world. I think it was a very like championship level performance by Hill for the standards of the division. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I also agree that Glover mostly looked like himself and has always kind of relied on you know being the comeback king who will let his opponent have all of the success that they think they need and then it doesn't work and then he just you know through sheer persistence is able to drag them into his fight eventually um which has also somewhat been aided by the uh, quality of wrestling in this division there just really aren't that many wrestlers in the division uh, now that uh, guys like john jones brian bader Corey anderson phil davis just aren't in the ufc anymore um, it's kind of just ended up making Glover the, the bar for offensive wrestling at 205. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much Glover at the top. And, and like, who else is there in the division? And we have Kutulaba that is, like, a, a good technical wrestler, but he's kind of the, on the small side. He gets tired. He doesn't accomplish things from top position. He's also a bad grappler. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, he got, um, got out grappled by, by Ryan Stan. Johnny Walker. Walker, yeah, so... <laughs> Both, uh, I mean, Ryan Stan that made made Anthony Smith look like Demi Maya on the floors. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Magomed Ankalaev um, is also a very good technical wrestler, but has to get both of his legs amputated before he'll take down the most wrestleable guy in the division. So it kind of makes the functional second best wrestler in the division like Nikita Krylov. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would have to to watch uh, the rankings because. Because I, I'm not sure who else is there. Like he wrestled Volkan Uzdemir to a victory. Yeah. So I did like what? What? What else is there? Let's see. I mean, Anthony Smith is a functional wrestler in this division, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he's like, yes. But yeah, I mean, Glover Teixeira. You know, he also he also punched Jamal Hill clean in the mouth multiple times. <laughs> he did get good takedown entries, but Jamal Hill, you know, he, he's. He's young and pretty athletic and has a fucking ridiculous chin. Um, you know, for all of the things that I could praise about this performance, still doesn't really have any defense to speak of other than just uh, relying on his reactions and leaning back away from stuff. Leaning back away, um, stepping back. Yes, yeah, pretty much that. <laughs> but he has a hilarious chin and he will just uh, stay in an exchange and just hit the other guy back. So, you know, it's working for him for now. Yeah, I mean, it's working. And he he patches up some of the bad defense where being clever on the offense, being kind of flexible, he can like, he can move forwards, he can move backwards. That's that's always good to see, especially when you're limited with the defensive options. He can adjust to, to give himself a, a good shot at winning at least. Yeah, I mean, he still fought in a way that, uh, you know, made it hard for Glover to get too many favorable exchanges. So, you know, even if your actual technical defense isn't in a vacuum, that that, that was still, he still had tactical ways of preserving him, himself throughout the fight. Um, Completely insane that Glover survived that four round because Jamal uh, Hill's uh, ground and pound looked very good. <laughs> he was awful to watch. Like he was hitting I mean, the, the left high kicks as well. Yeah, the high kicks. Yeah, he got rocked like three or four times, I think. 
Yeah, it was hard to see him get sent out for there for that fifth round. And one of his cornermen was trying to make a case for stopping it. Um, but I, I think they probably knew that it was, it was probably his last fight, if not definitely uh, his last shot at a title. And Glover, Glover did retire afterwards. And um, all credit to the man for getting to where he did at this kind of stage of his career. And going out fighting for the title and being like no if i'm if i'm not if i'm not fighting the best then i'm not going to hang around anymore which you don't see a lot in the sport you know he was still 43 but uh, in in no way outstayed his welcome and even though the fight probably should have been stopped earlier uh it's not like uh, another fight we're going to talk about later because at least glover is you know a, a big hitter when he lands and a finishing threat everywhere he, you know he he had a chance and that they gave him five more minutes. And they were both uh, tired and damaged going into the fifth. I mean, Glover, obviously, a lot more. So uh, it's not like Hill was on skate going into the fifth round. So it's very different from the other fight <laughs> that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. It's crazy, it's crazy to think that uh, Glover, when, when he came to the UFC, was supposed to fight. Uh, I mean, the big fight gr- rumored for Glover o- was always Chogun. And they both retired on this card. Uh, Glover is older and retired in a much better way than Shogun did. But we, I guess we'll talk about that one later. Yeah, so um, I guess we'll get on to the co-main event. Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueredo. Uh, Brandon Moreno, I guess, finally putting a stamp on this series. Um, finished by third round doctor stoppage because he just landed a good left hook that completely closed Figueredo's eye immediately. Um, but Moreno was pretty much winning the fight the whole time. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I think he won all three rounds. Um, it was a bit of an awkward fight. Um, I think Moreno came with a decent game plan here. Um, I think he he didn't want to risk a lot like leaving against Figueredo, so he was trying to to wait and counter. Um, he he limited the use of his jab to to intercept Figueredo on entry. Um, he was cautious about putting combinations too long together. He was pretty aggressive with the wrestling, and and I think it was it was a good performance for Moreno of Figueredo. I think it's very clear now that he's losing a step. Uh, Definitely, because it seemed like in this fight he was just. It seemed like a very old school Davison Figueredo performance where he was just looking for single big dynamic moments, and that's that. that. It's just not enough at this level. Like he was just jumping on guillotines and sprint subs and just looking to land bombs. And, and he's always going to be dangerous. He just didn't look like he had a particularly clear idea of how he was going to win a fight, which I guess in a lot of his prime performances he didn't either, but just back then he would try stuff on the fly and then the other guy would just die immediately. <laughs> I think I think he actually came with a, with a decent game plan last time out against Moreno. Definitely. Investing in the low kicks and his own offensive wrestling. Yeah, and being active too, like keeping the jab out there. Um, he was playing off. He was setting stuff up with, uh, with the change of stances. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't see a lot of that here. He, I think he was... He thought it was going to be easier to to pressure Moreno into into throwing first and getting counters, pretty much like in their first fight. And then Moreno just did not give that to him. 
yeah, I think Moreno's just um he just got so much more confidence to be able to stand his ground in exchanges from the first fight. Whereas yeah, in that fight, uh, Figueredo did great work uh, pressuring like tons of body work, uh, you know, good kicks from Southpaw and stuff. Um, but then Moreno just uh, eventually, like in the fourth round, realized uh, this guy hits way harder than me, but I'm immortal. So I, I can just keep going and I can hit him back. And, you know, he, he, he was the first one to, uh, to noticeably hurt their opponent in that fight, even though he was quite soundly getting his ass beaten for most of it. Yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. And, and it's crazy that the guy that is showing the most effects of all of these fights is actually Figueredo now. Yeah, crazy that, Fig, that Figgy was the big hotness in 2020 and now he's just had to fight Brandon Moreno four times in the, the, yeah. the series really seems to have really seems to have just taken his prime away from him. While, while Moreno has... I, I do think his, his chin is starting to go because he's always relied on his durability and you know he actually started getting dropped in the third Figueredo fight. Um, kind of hurt worse than we've really seen in the past. But I think he's just continued making significant technical strides. You know, he's, what, 29, 30? He's really coming into being the best version of himself while Figueredo's been somewhat on the way out. I mean, if he, yeah, he uh, even if Moreno gets hit a lot in, in pretty much every fight too, um, he has a style that is less relying on on pure athleticism and reflexes. I mean, Figueredo is a very uh, smart fighter. Uh, he has a very deep selection of tools to take advantage. Um, he's not very, he's not a very strategical fighter, but uh, just based yeah, on... Yeah, I guess that's what I was talking about earlier, that, it, that he, he really seemed to just rely on having a good feel for... Yeah. Like, you know, he's a natural counterpuncher. Um, he just has an incredible sense of timing and distance right out of the gate. He's like a really strong dynamic submission threat. You know, there's obviously a ton of like technical skill that goes into all of what he was doing, but you know, he was at his best when he really just could impose his physical traits on people and just try out shit on the fly that he would kind of see in the moment and it would just work. And also like the, the cardio from Figueredo has been holding up surprisingly well. We, we saw him uh, getting tired earlier in his career. Um, I think it was very surprising that he started like losing exchanges to Pantoja in their fight, and despite he almost killing Pantoja like 30 times. <laughs> it was, yeah. But um, that was like the one fight where Figueredo got hit a fucking lot before the Moreno tetralogy or whatever yeah and he, he he did actually start getting rocked at the end because well, i mean he was just repeatedly eating right straights from one of the biggest punches in the division yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah i mean figueredo apparently moving up to bantamweight i'm not sure he can get to the elite on that division i mean who do you want to see him fight at bantamweight i mean it's i would not uh, like put him immediately against a top guy I guess he could fight like the winner of Garbrandt versus Arce if that happens. Other than that, like the UFC loves to make a small guys fight huge guys, so Montel Jackson or something. Oh god! Well, they'll probably just make him fight like Song Yadong straight away or something like that. Oh, he he would get killed by Song Yadong at this stage. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I like Bantamweight for Figgy at this point in his career, and I don't know how they're going to match him, but I'm, I'm still interested to see it moving forward. And then again, you, you have, it seemed like 
it seemed like he knew win or lose that he he was going to be going up. And yeah. You have to wonder if that factored into the performance in any way. He just seemed less focused and plugged in to the matchup than Moreno did. Yeah, I mean, you never know. It's they they've been fighting each other so much. You you don't know what are the emotions coming on into the fight. I think Moreno, you can tell, uh, felt that being overconfident on his last fight cost him, and he came very focused on this one. Uh, dial dial back the the taunting, the bravado, and just fought like very disciplined fight. Uh, the, there was like a stupid amount of taunting in the, in the third fight. <laughs> yeah, and a ton of like he's doing like spinning back kicks to the calf and just silly shit. Yeah, he was feeling because yeah, the crowd was crazy. You know, in I, th- that fight, so. I think like he, you know, I think like he got all of that confidence from the first fight and then applied it, but still kept very disciplined and fought a perfect performance in the second fight. And then in the third fight, he was just like, man, I'm fucking drop this guy with a jab. I'm going to go out there and fucking smoke this guy. And then, and then Figueredo actually had, you know, had a very good performance of his own. And Moreno had to kind of watch his shit a little bit after that. After losing that fight, was like, okay, okay, I got to fight good this time. Yeah. And he just did. I think we could have gotten a, a better fight if it was like the, the Figueredo for the, from the third fight against the Brandon Moreno from the fourth fight. Yeah, that would be that would have been better. Instead, we had like four very different, all very awkward fights. <laughs> yeah, it's a really strange series, and the, the kinds that we really never get in MMA. But they're they've all pretty much been in their in their own way. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, really really good fights. Yeah, they 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 were all good fights. I mean, it it got I mean a little bit tiresome, I guess, especially talking about so much all of them, but. When it came when it came to Fight Night, I was very excited for all four of them. So I got me that. I did think it was funny how you know pretty much in any other scenario, if um, a belt changed hands in this way, the UFC would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to run that back." But at this point, they would like the commentary were just like, "Well, that sells that. We're done. Moreno won. He's he's better. <laughs> Let's move on." And yeah, it's very clear the UFC wants Moreno as a champion company man um he hits a new market the, the ufc doesn't really give a shit about the brazilian market anymore like they know they have that one they know it's just there yeah well, maybe they think it does because i think i've seen quite a lot of empty seats in the arena yeah, oh, yeah it was surprising and the and the pops during the fight were hard but not like like some other that we've seen i was I was very surprised uh, in preparation for this fight, watching the third fight between these guys. And the crowd for Moreno was insane. One of the loudest crowds I've, I've heard in recent times. And where, where was that event? Was it, was it in California? Yeah, I, I, I yeah. think it was California. So a lot yeah, of... big Mexican contingent. Yeah. And the crowd here was pretty loud, but I was expecting a bit more uh, with the UFC returning after, after so many years. Oh yeah, and Brazilian crowds are usually fucking crazy, you know, particularly for their guys. I think, I think they they bought with the two title fights here because Glover has been living in the USA for like twenty years. Uh, he's not incredibly popular in Brazil, and Figueiredo is not very popular 
period. So and then we, you know we had a, a really uh, depressing retirement of a legendary Brazilian fighter to kick off the pay per view. So yeah, I think I think non ironically they 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 should have put like Amanda Nunes here if they wanted like the crowd to to react and to draw more people. Like she's very popular in Brazil. Uh, and that's like one of the that's like the last big star that Brazil has going on right now, really. Now per- Pereira could become that, but he's not there yet. But still, Pereira being like the hot new thing, I think he could he could maybe like put a lot of bots in seats. But it's still not not looking great for UFC in Brazil, actually. But we still uh, got some good uh, Brazilian squash matches on this card. Uh... Moving on to Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. And good old reliable Neil Magny. Um, sometimes I almost feel bad for him, but then you look at this fight and it's like, this has just, just been the same technical problems that you've lost to in this way throughout your entire career. No matter how much better he gets at certain things and how much he's able to put together really impressive win streaks over very good welterweights. As soon as he gets matched up with Gilbert Burns, I'm just like, well, he's just going to get destroyed instantly. Yeah, he's been he's been destroyed like by pretty much every high level jujitsu guy that he's faced. Yeah, it, well, and like it was, it was funny how the UFC commentary was saying, oh, you know, nobody just walks through Neil Magny, and it's like, well, generally when people beat Neil Magny, it's just. It's just a miserable fight for Neil Magny where everything unravels immediately and nothing works for him and he just gets wiped out. You know, you know this, this was just the, the RDA fight, Lorenz Larkin. The most competitive losses that, that Magny has are the, the Ponsinibi and the Kiesa ones, and he still got washed in both of those. So Yeah, I mean, well, the Kiesa one, not as bad, but, the, you know, Ponsinibio, it just took him slightly yeah. longer to kick Neil Magny's leg off of his body and then knock him the fuck out. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I mean, there's... He has like one of... I mean, uh, Magny, one of those guys that have, like, like, lapses on, on his grappling because you can tell when you can see him grappling lesser people, like, he's pretty decent. He's great from top position. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's been okay defending from the bottom, like, against... I mean, he was a pretty shitty Johnny Hendricks, but still... He still defended very well in that fight. He defended decently against Kelvin Gaslam, against Eric Silva too. Against certain calibers of just like a technical wrestlers or physical specimen, so many people just get stuck in the clinch with Neil Magny, and and then you know they they just sink into the quicksand. And I was I was a bit worried that Gilbert might fall in that category, but. Yeah, no, he, I was like, Gil- Gilbert's really strong and he's a good wrestler. Yeah, he, yeah, that was just like, he, was like, even if he overthrows and gets into the clinch, he can just throw Neil Magny on his head and submit him immediately. He's very, very strong in the clinch. Yeah, and he he, he like had competitive scrambles with Kamzat Chemaev. Like he basically trapped Kamzat Chemaev in a kickboxing match because Chemaev couldn't just out-wrestle him for free. Yeah, she might have tried to sit on top of him and then he was like, okay, no, I don't want this. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, if, even going back to Sergio Moraes, he, he t- took down a tr- triangle show, Nick Ma- Neil Magny, so it's been a big problem for a very long time. I mean, Maya, you know, it's, it's just, 
you know, he obviously keeps improving, and like I said, he he puts together some great wins sometimes. And then there are certain fights he just gets matched up with, and I just it's just like you can you can't you can't win this. I don't think I've ever picked a Neil Magny fight wrong. He's just so reliable. Yeah, I mean, he beats who he should beat, and then he gets beat by better people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but but still, I mean, it wasn't a good performance by Magny, but I think he still has quite a bit in the tank. Um, he's oh, definitely. I like I I I think he can turn around from this and. I don't know who's a welterweight. I don't know, he'd beat Jeff Neal again. Um, he's, he's already fought every welterweight. He, <laughs> think of somebody he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't fought, fought uh, Vicente Luque. And at this stage, at he least, might beat this version of yeah, Vicente. Yeah, this shitty version of Vicente, I think, loses. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that because I remember Neil Magny called out Vicente Luque a couple of years ago when he was on a big streak of finishes. I was just like, that is the worst matchup you could possibly... A guy who pressures and low kicks and hits really hard and can do submissions. Look at the time would have killed Magni. <laughs> oh, would, would have annihilated him. You know, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing that. Or maybe even like, Stephen Thompson? I'm okay with Wonderboy versus Magni. I mean, Wonderboy says he wants to fight strikers and Magni is not taking him down because his takedown defense is still pretty good. So, yeah, pretty much. Or maybe he gets like a Brady. What about Gilbert? What do you want? He called out Colby Covington. I would love, love for Gil to get. I would love to for Gil to get that fight, and uh, Colby Covington will never take it. Yeah, no, Covington doesn't want to fight anyone. Um. Other than that, Gil's just going to be stuck in a bit of a gatekeeper position here because Colby's not going to fight him. Masvidal's not going to fight him. He already lost to Chimaya. What are the big fights for him at welterweight that are going to get him back in a? title situation other than I guess he probably just has to fight the winner of like uh, Shavkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal winnable I guess it was interesting I mean I think if Gil were to fight Shavkat he would definitely clip Shavkat with an overhand at yeah, some point yeah. that would happen 100% yeah I think I think Shavkat yeah it's vulnerable on the feet he just haven't he, been fighting I, I don't know that Gil would win that fight but I would I think he would almost certainly drop Shavkat with an overhand. Yeah, for sure. Even even Neil, I think, is pretty dangerous until the takedown for for Shavkat. But we'll see about that. We will see. Um, see, so moving on to Jessica Andrade versus Lauren Murphy. Um, you know, before this fight, people, you know, I heard people saying, <clears throat> "Oh wow, I just feel bad for Lauren Murphy. Why are they even making this fight?" And I was like, you know, I, I don't feel bad for Lauren Murphy because she she doesn't want me to she worked for this this is you know it's it's not just you know she's consenting and she wanted this this is what she's worked all, all of this time for and put all of this effort to become a functional winning women's flyweight and put together the wins to be where she's at and she wants to get back to a title shot and fighters like Lauren Murphy who don't have physical advantages or athletic backgrounds of any kind who you know, have to work harder even to be able to compete at any kind of level of this sport. When they're able to put it together like that, deserve you know, deserve to get into the matchups that show them where their ceiling is. Because it's condescending to Lauren Murphy to say, no, you don't get to fight Jessica Andrade because you can't beat her. Um, and then I saw this fight and I was like, man, I feel bad for Lauren Murphy. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean... Because it, it would have been a normal fight if it was stopped in 
one of the spots that it could have been stopped. The thing is that it was never stopped and it got pretty ugly. No, by the middle of the second round, somebody should have taken Lauren Murphy out of there. There was no big moment where she got dropped or anything because, you know, Lauren Murphy is very tough and Jessica Andrade. Um, a, a lot of the time she wasn't getting the cleanest connections you know yeah. she was she was clubbing Murphy with like the very end of the punch but she also she also hit her very clean a lot and is a huge puncher for the division and um, wanted to go out there and put on a fucking kickboxing masterclass and you know this is what I was talking about earlier this is not like sending Glover to Shearer out there for the fifth round of his last shot at a title when you know Glover's always been a live dog in these kind of fights. You know, Jessica Andrade is insanely durable. She's very strong and she does not get tired. Yeah, doesn't get tired. It's like the shit code for Jessica Andrade is that you would expect any fighter like this to get tired and she doesn't. What the fuck was Lauren Murphy supposed to do? You know, people were speculating... You know, maybe if it gets into the clinch, Lauren Murphy's pretty strong, you know. But, you know, once we'd seen a round and a half of this fight, it's like, what are we doing here? She got a takedown when, when they were fresh and she couldn't do anything with it. So no. <laughs> she was more tired than Jessica. So it was bad by all, by all metrics. Uh, the other thing is that um, Murphy was landing, especially in the second round, they, uh, where, where Andrade started to to get to throw longer combinations. Murphy was landing clean on Jessica Andrade on the on the chin and she wasn't doing any damage at all. She, some some exchanges they would both land like the same amount of punches and Murphy was looking like she was about to die and Andrade look just fine. So it was yeah. I mean sometimes you you just gotta take care for your fighter and leave him fight another day. Um, Murphy says she's okay. Um, people shouldn't feel sorry for him. Uh, I don't feel sorry because she fought Jessica Andrade. I feel sorry because she took a lot of punishment that it wasn't necessary. And that could happen to, to fucking anyone. I, I, I wouldn't say that, for example, the first Shogun fight versus John Jones was a mismatch. But it was obviously like getting horribly ugly by the end. Like, it's not like, oh, you're out of your depth, like, before the fight. But during the fight, things can happen and fights should be stopped sometimes, even if there's not, like, a big knockdown or something. I don't know how much to say about it. It was completely one-sided ass-whooping. Um, I don't know what's going on with Jessica Andrade, because she went down to 115, and uh, she murdered uh, Amanda Lamosh. Um and she goes straight back up to flyweight, fights a top contender at flyweight, and then says she wants to fight Li Zhang. And I wanted to see that fight immediately uh, after Li Zhang recaptured the title. I was like, that's the fight to make. Jessica Andrade is coming off a big win. They fought before, and Andrade just got murked in a minute. You've you got to make that. But then I don't know why she's just bouncing around in weight and then trying to get a title shot off at 115 off of a win at 125 I, I don't know what's going on yeah there, it, but. it's weird but i'm okay with andrade getting the title shot um yeah well i mean i thought she i i, I thought it would have been perfectly fine just giving it to her before even taking this fight yeah so, for sure i mean let, let, let's go like and you know that's, that's the matchup we've got to see again i mean lemos lemos is like 
top five fighters. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, coming off another good win of, of her own since then. Yeah, you can't give her a title shot yeah. over Andrade after she got like like kind of punked by Jessica Andrade. <laughs> I mean, I'm also okay watching Lemos fight for the title. Really, I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd still be a good fight. I, w- I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting. I mean. Andrade with these wins, with this win, like, has a pretty, like, good argument to fight even for the flagweight title, even though... Yeah, she's not going to beat Valentina. Yeah, but Valentina <laughs> kicked her ass so bad. <laughs> like, people, people like to say that Valentina is, like, the most boring fighter in the roster, and then she fights, like, the most exciting <laughs> fighter in women's MMA. And Valentina decides to be exciting herself. <laughs> I mean, she destroyed her. It was it was a very cool performance, to be honest. I think uh, Andrade should like give it at least two, three more fights, and then hope that Val has aged out enough for uh, Jessica to just be able to win a kickboxing match. Yeah, pretty much. She rolled up to Valentina, and she was like, "I'm fucking strong." And Valentina was like, "I, I I'm also pretty strong, and I can actually wrestle." <laughs> he was like, "Oh shit." It's very impressive, actually. Um, so, what's next for Lauren Murphy? Because she's obviously retiring. I don't know. Obviously, needs some time off. Depending on how the timelines match up, I'd quite like to see her against Jennifer Meyer. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, Grassel's getting the title shot, right? Is she? I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, uh, she's supposed to fight Grasso at 285 on March. Uh, in the okay, cool. Also, wouldn't mind Murphy versus uh, Viviane Arujo de- again, depending on. Yeah. How, um, I think Arujo is booked, but I, I'm not sure. And it depends how timelines match up because Murphy obviously needs some time off. Yeah, that would be good because it would be loser <laughs> versus loser. Um, maybe they, they fit her to Fiora uh, or Tyler Santos. And Tyler Santos, I guess, needs a win now to get her rematch. Uh, Tyler Santos is booked against Erin Blanchfield. Oh, that's very interesting, actually. Mm. Very good fight, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, if the UFC wants to make her dirty, they throw her at Fiora. If not, I think the the Maya fight sounds fair. There's still options for her, um, you know, depending on what, what she wants to do moving forward. Uh, has Murphy for, for Shukagian? Not, right? I don't think so. Any of those would work. Um, okay, so uh, Johnny Walker fought Paul Craig in a very silly, very light heavyweight fight where, I mean, I picked Paul Craig because um, I was like, well, Johnny Walker grapples now. And he's going to grapple with <laughs> Paul Craig and he's going to get triangled. And Paul Craig was like, I'm a technical kickboxer now. <laughs> uh, and was like trying to feint and jab his way into range. And then caught a kick and just got punched by Johnny Walker on one leg and he died and then got finished with just the silliest, like, like backhands while clinging onto a leg. It was just what, just, just what a fucking meme fight, dude. I mean, it was the, it was meme guy versus meme guy. So it was just right to end this way. But it was very silly, like. It was very silly. Craig has a very good chin. Uh, he got clipped very hard, obviously, but. You don't cling into a leg when you're not a wrestler. <laughs> like that's such a bad idea. <laughs> and he just stayed there. And we know like Johnny Walker like hits you very hard when you try to 
to cling onto him. <laughs> that's like yes, we saw that against Ryan Spann. Yeah, that's like the best thing we does he does. So <laughs> yeah, he just has such a weird frame. He generates power from such weird positions. It's not even a small spaces. He said people give him like large spaces in those like close quarters. <laughs> Because he was swinging from, like, Mars, and, and Paul Craig allowed him to do so. I mean, so who does Johnny Walker fight now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he already lost to Krilo. Uh, I don't want to see rematches in that weight class. Um, Ustamir? Yeah, I mean, Ustamir is the, fi- is the fighter that should beat him, but... It's pretty short, so can lose to a meme at any moment. That that works. Although always been kind of weird and inconsistent. Uh, Blackovich, I guess. <laughs> oh, I don't want to see Blackovich get memed by Johnny Walker. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But no. What about Rakic? Yeah, Rakic, Anthony Smith. These are all very silly, like heavyweight fights. I mean, it's the silly division, so... It's the silly division. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paul Craig should fight Jimmy Crute. How has that not happened? Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds good. Paul Craig or, like, he can fight the, the corpse of Dominic Reyes. Oh. <laughs> okay, so uh, Shogun got knocked out by the dude. It was really sad. <laughs> Particularly because... You know, there was nothing about this fight that suggested that there's going to be a particularly bright future in the UFC for Igor Piotieria. This is quite possibly the, going to be the highlight of Piotieria's career. It was just, yeah. just sending, you know, and it's the fact that, you know, this was one of those fights where Shogun actually just looked like the better fighter and just, just, yeah, it was just so shot that he just couldn't sustain it. Like, he, he was tagging Piotieria early. He was low kicking him up, and just just couldn't see a right hand and just died. It was just just miserable. Yeah, Piotieria is like it's like not a very good fighter. He he relies a lot on being fast and large in a division where there's so many larger and faster faster people. So that's not going to work long time. Like not at all. Like, uh, but he had the attributes to take advantage of a very short fighter in here because he was longer and he was quicker. And he's not going to be longer and quicker than most of actually good, like, heavyweights. So no, I don't even it was see very sad to see. What the point of this fight was, other than it was just like, maybe this guy could actually lose to Shogun. Maybe, but I mean, they, they could have made like a, a, a more fair one, like, I don't know, like Nikolai Megorenu now. Uh, because. Well, I mean, Nikolai Negomeriano knocked out Ikor Potieria. Oh, they should have kept Sam Alvey around for one more fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather see Potieria knocking out Shogun than Sam Alvey, though. <laughs> well, Sam Alvey really might have lost, though. Yeah, I mean, some of is getting also super shot, so... I mean, Shogun, uh, Shogun's won more fights recently than Sam Alvey has. Okay, that's, that's fair. And he had a close fight with OSP, and that's better than anything he, that he beat, Sam Alvey has done lately. He beat Noguero, who knocked Sam Alvey out. 
Oh, that knockout was so good. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, anything to say about Shogun? Um, I mean, I, I never... I don't know how long you've been watching MMA. I was never around for anywhere near the Shogun glory years because, you know, people thought this guy was done when he lost to Chael Sonnen 10 years ago. Yeah, I was was a fan when Shogun won the title. Uh, So, yeah, Shogun, I was always a very huge fan. Been trying to to disconnect from him until the, the later years because it's it's been too sad. So I tried to be not so invested, but this still sucked very much. I mean, Shogun was very good and a very tragic career, all things considered. Like he was one of the most athletic guys we've ever seen in like heavyweight division, despite him being like a middleweight and still one of the greatest fighters in the history of the division on resume. Still, yeah, for sure. And then. He, he got oh, like bad knees like at 27 and it has been like up and downs from there like very inconsistent yeah i, I also wondered just like about i don't know it, it seemed like a lot of the time he just didn't take his training that seriously and just and just ballooned up in weight a lot and you know a lot of people say that he was just like shot by the time he got to the ufc but he still you know, had very high level wins after that. I, mean, I just always wonder. Yeah. Always wonder just what what was going on in his in his training situation throughout. Yeah, he looked very good in some fights, but it was very interesting because Shogun very early in his career was like all about kicking, and then he he had to learn how to box because he couldn't kick anymore. And then very late in his career, he started kicking again, and he was pretty good at it. Uh, so it was. It was a whole mess. I mean, he has still had a good career, got to be world champion, both in Pride and the UFC. Uh, he was, like, world champion. I mean, wasn't world champion in Pride, but won the, the GP that was very prestigious. Great wins in, in Pride as well. Yeah, very, very good wins. I mean, both, both against Overeem, against Rampage. Against Minotoro, the first one, well, one of the best fights in the history of the division. Yeah, go 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 back and watch that fight if you haven't seen it in a while. It was a great fight. It was it was very sad. Um, who does Pocheria fight next? Oh, I don't know, dude. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know where this guy even goes from here. Yeah, because he should he should not get a ranked opponent, right? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe like Kutilaba or something. Kutilaba, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, if he can beat if he can beat Kutilaba, he gets to stay in the UFC. <laughs> okay, so um, Gregory Rodriguez uh, took on uh, Bruno Ferreira and fucking died. Late notice guys, dude, don't take him. This gonna be strong shade of uh Benil Dariush versus um annoying guy. Oh Alex Hernandez. Yeah, you know, like Gregory Rodriguez just right on the cusp of contention was supposed to be fighting Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares wouldn't have done this. Bruno Ferreira knocked the absolute piss shit out of Gregory Rodriguez. And you know, this was something that even though Gregory Rodriguez has been genuinely looking like a fantastic boxer recently, um, he has also just been melted in a round by not very good fighters before, and Bruno Ferreira is a fucking tank. He's very dangerous. 
not that experienced, but he hits hard as fuck and he starts really fast. I mean, if you have been knocked out by a bad fighter because you didn't know much about him, why would you take a short notice fight? I guess a guy with huge power is. <laughs> it was a very bad decision. And Fajera is a huge hitter. I didn't know he was a jiu-jitsu black belt as well, so that was interesting. Yeah, and it's just interesting to, for what this kind of win is going to do for both guys' respective career trajectories, because like I say, Gregory Rodriguez was you know, right on the cusp of, of being a ranked fighter, and Bruno Ferreira is dangerous, but he's pretty raw, and this is a, a pretty big win to come into the UFC with. So it feels like, you know, this is just going to really unfortunately hold Gregory Rodriguez back when he was ready to make a run and, like, just immediately vault Bruno Ferreira into matchups that he's not going to be ready for. Yeah, it's very weird because, like, Rodriguez has a, a more credible, like, resume than, than Duplessis. And, and now he's, like, super far away from him in rankings terms. Um... I hope Ferreira doesn't like get to fight someone ranked or anything like that because it would be pretty bad for his career. I mean, the division is very shallow, so who knows? I mean, you want to see him fight like uh, Gerald Meshart? Yeah, that works. I mean, Meshart deserves like a, a ranked opponent, I guess. It does. It was, uh, he actually is coming off of a genuinely magnificent performance over uh, Bruno Silva? Bruno Silva, yeah. You know, what, what uh, Pereira's left hand couldn't do, uh, Gerald Mershaw got the job done. So I would say maybe like do Rodriguez versus Tavares anyway. Yeah, just do it anyway. <laughs> or maybe, maybe they'll just give Ferreira Tavares now. Maybe, maybe. And that, that would be very bad for him, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough. Um, maybe, maybe Tavares needs to keep active, so... Who would you give Rodriguez if Tavares is not available? Um, Puna, maybe? They're both coming off losses. so Yeah, I like that one. That works, I guess. It would be violent, at would least. definitely be violent. And Bruno, I don't know. Like, maybe Bruno Silva? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I just I don't know how you match someone like this in the UFC when, you know, uh, Alex Hernandez straight away got the Donald Cerrone fight off of that shit. <laughs> And it was very bad for him. Yeah, so let's not do that with Bruno Ferreira. But I think the the Darius win for Hernandez like ruined his career because he was a fighter with a lot of potential and never got to develop because he was fighting better fighters than him the whole time. Yeah, and he was always the kind of fighter who was gifted and dangerous enough to just ice a very good fighter in a short notice yeah. matchup. But you you. You shouldn't take too much away from that kind of thing. Um, Tiago Moises also took a short notice guy and uh, beat him really easily. Uh, this one worked out way better for him because he was supposed to be fighting Guram Kutataladze, and I don't think that fight would have gone well for him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you... That was such a good fight, though. Yeah, it would have been great. Um, but yeah, it was just impressive win from... Tiago Moises was just dominant. He, I think Moises looked like he had a much keener like sense of urgency in this fight. I think he's been criticised in the past for being a bit passive, not leading much, just like really letting the other guy just 
decide what kind of fight they're going to have. And he was just like, no, I'm a better grappler than this guy. I'm just going to go out and out grapple him. And he just did. And he looked solid on the feet too. I mean, he was at least aggressive enough to keep like Costa on his, on his toes. But yeah, it was a very good performance by Moises. I guess like book him against good at the lads again. Yeah, just re rebook the the Guru Ramp fight. Uh, I hope they keep Costa. Oh yeah, he's, no, a lot he's, of fun. he's definitely a good fighter. Yeah, he's decent. I mean, Maybe he was much, fighting out soon. of his step time. But there's, um, there's bad matchup too. Yeah, but, but there's, there's you know there's he, much lower level fighters than Tiago Moises that that he can fight at lightweight and have some time to develop. The difference between like low level and high level lightweight it's so big. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Costa against. Would you like to see Costa against anyone in particular? Not anyone in particular. I don't know. Just just like a just like a Jared Gordon type somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean Jared Gordon is getting sacrificed to Bobby Green. So. <laughs> oh, let's go. <laughs> um. So Gabriel Bonfin uh, insta subbed Munir Lazes. Uh, this could have been. A pretty rough fight from for Bonfin, but Lazez just like just kind of panicked and initiated a grappling situation and got instantly tapped because that's what Bonfin does. Yeah, Lazez Lazez looks very good if you give him a space, but give him a a ranged kickboxing match. He's fantastic. Yeah, but Bonfin. Bonfim did not give him <laughs> any of that at all. Just, just go straight to business. Just, you know, kind of just caught him cold. I just barreled into him and uh, immediately jumped on a guillotine when uh, Lazez shot in. Uh, don't know what you take away from that. Yeah, I. It's it's rough. I mean, I wanted to learn more more about Bonfim in this fight and didn't get to learn much. Uh, he's definitely an interesting fighter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess you could make a Dalvi fight. Yeah, or or like uh, like Angeloso or something. Yeah, if Lusa is still in the UFC, that works too. Good win. Not going to be jumping straight into like contender matches, but yeah, like, shouldn't. But solid addition to UFC welterweight division. He has more. He has more time than than his brother. That we'll be talking about later. So is, is Gabriel yeah, I mean, the younger one? Yeah, Gabriel is the younger one. Okay. So, um, Shail Tad Almeida uh, did the prison love story on Shamil Abdurakhimov. Um, this is funny. You know, I, I I barely broke this fight down last week. I was just like, yeah, yeah, Almeida is just going to win. I had the realization afterwards. I was like, wait a second, Almeida is one of these like new school MMA wrestlers that likes to kick people to stand them up to shoot on them. You, you don't want to lead with kicks against Shamil. And of course he comes out, immediately throws the big old kick, and Shamil parries it and blasts him in the mouth with a right straight. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a fight that Shamil would have won if he wasn't super old, to be honest. Maybe. Uh, you know, mean, he's, maybe he's, not win, but... He, you know, he, he got taken down and destroyed by Timothy Johnson back in the day. Okay, that's fair. He's, he's, uh, Timothy he's, Johnson, he's, you know, just, Timothy Timothy Johnson way over. A good, good heavyweight, but, you know, Shamil's yeah. just always had, he's just always had problem with people who can put him on his back. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
and Almeida. Big difference though is that Timothy Johnson is like 20, 20 pounds. True. Instead of and Jailson Almeida <laughs> is quite small for heavyweight. He's got a long frame, but he's nowhere near as wide as Shamil, who, you know, who's a legit 265-pound man. Um, but Almeida, he, you know, he's just he's a very good wrestler and grappler uh, of a quality that you don't see in these divisions. Um, and he's obviously very physically strong still and just has the confidence to go out there and manhandle someone who has a dramatic weight advantage over him. Like there was some concerns in this fight that most people just thought he was going to completely walk through Shamil and just destroy him in a round. And Shamil actually did make scrambles competitive and you know, made Almeida work for it and looked like he was making him tired at one point. But that that was that's purely the size advantage. Like like Almeida's a fantastic grappler. Almeida yeah, is very good, and I've seen him in like competitive grappling fights, uh, two or five, and the gas tank is pretty decent actually. Um. Uh, it would be interesting to see him against a grappler that is bigger than him, though, if the cardio holds up there. Sadly, they booked they book Romanov already. So I would love we're to not see going that. to see that one. Yeah, that would be very interesting. Uh, but maybe the UFC wants to protect Jelton. Uh, well, but even so, um, you know, I, I feel like he's going to be able to do this to the vast majority of UFC heavyweights, but he's going to have to fight like Curtis Blades eventually if, if, yeah. if, if he's on the contender track. And that does make me slightly concerned for his commitment to heavyweight. Um, yeah, for sure. I think uh, cons- very concerning fights for him at heavyweight are uh, obviously Blades and also Aspinall, I would think. Yeah, would I'd be agree. Very dangerous for him. And and then you have some that are like Sergey Spivak would be oh. interesting. Yeah, yeah, Spivak's not very athletic, but has shown to be very, very strong. And he's a good grappler. He and he's very large. Good grappler. Yeah. Uh, Derek Lewis, if he, if he can still do the just getting up trick. Well, I mean, we got we got to see what happens with Spivak Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I guess Jelto uh, fighting either the winner or the loser. Yeah, of that d- one depends how quickly the UFC just want to run him up the division. But he's 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 tremendous fun. Yeah, I mean it's very exciting to see. Like, like it's he's very raw, but has all the physical tools to take advantage of a well put together game. Definitely, and and a game that just uh, it, people do not have answers for in the divisions that he's fighting at. Exactly. Uh, Shamil is getting cut, I guess. It's four in a row. Lame. Yeah, I like Shamil. It's sad. But that's how it is. I mean, he's very old. He's over 42, right? Um, yeah. He's 41. So. He can go to Bellator. Yeah. Yeah. Get better roids. Fight Fedor. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. Fight Shikong. Fight Shikong and get kicking the nuts. <laughs> Uh, Cody Stamen for a guy making his debut and won a solid Cody Stamen decision. Very good fight, this one. Um, Lacerda is a very good addition to Bantamweight. He's a Nova Uniao prospect and he's very good. I mean, he didn't get to show his grappling, that is his strong suit, but he held his own on the feet. He looked pretty good here. Uh, maybe an argument that he won the fight. Uh, but it was very close. Won't complain about the decision. 
But it was a good fight by both fighters. So I'm cool with this. Yeah, I don't know where uh, Cody Stamen's at right now. You know, he was kind of uh, kind of bit, a bit of an elite gatekeeper for quite a while. I'm, I'm not sure. He was obviously like too much too soon for Lacerda, even though he almost won this fight. Um, no, he's he's a good fighter, and I'm glad they've they've got him. Yeah, around. yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's next for for Seaman? I mean, hard to tell. I mean, he he has fought so many people. Yeah, he's fought so many people, and this isn't a, a win that particularly does anything for him. And he, you know, he just got back on track by murdering the ghost of Eddie Wineland. But then it's also not that long ago that he like went to a split with Marab Dvalishvili. Yeah, I think it was unanimous, but I think... Mate, I wasn't, uh, but I, I thought it was a very competitive fight, though. I thought... Uh, it was very, very close. Like, I haven't uh, rewatched it, but... I rewatched it recently, and I thought, like, maybe Stamen won. I mean, it was very close. At least a case uh, for I it. think... Yeah, I think uh, Marab wins that fight mostly based on, like, body language. No, not on damage. Like, he's, he's just doing the Marab thing of... Bullshitting the judges. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's like a, a new age Clay Guida. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so yeah, I mean Lacerda. Uh, don't do not have like a name in mind, but but no, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a bunch of guys just like floating around. Uh, yeah, um, bantamweight who are way, probably never going to be ranked, but are like cool fighters that you fight on the way to getting ranked, like. You know, John Castaneda, Mario Batista, any of these guys? Yeah, those those guys. Yeah. Oh, the thing with bantamweight is that the low the low level guys are very good. Yeah, even too. those two guys that I just mentioned are very dangerous, and they're the kind of guys yeah. that you're gonna fight as like like after losing your UFC debut. <laughs> it's a fucking shark tank of a division. Yeah, it's insane. It's it doesn't have like the super low tier that lightweight does. Like, for example, like, in lightweight, you get fighters to feed to Paddy Pimblet, and there's not, like, that many easy fights at Bantamweight for anyone. No, like so, I say, even, even, I mean, the, even the on-paper easier fights are still very dangerous guys. Yeah, they're all very good. That's why it's the best division, but... But yeah, I mean, looking forward for, for the next fight for both. Um, really wondering what they do with Stayman now. I think they, they did him a solid here, so maybe he fights up. Because obviously it's just a prospect, but who wanted to take this fight? I'm not sure a lot of fighters were were lining up for this one, so So yeah. Uh doubt it's going to be at a ranked opponent, but maybe something like getting close to that. Um Ishmael Bonfine oh, the Bonfine brother killed the fucking shit out of Terence McKenney. Um, Maybe the best performance of the night. Very good performance. Uh, Terence McKenney kind kind of seemed to. Uh, I don't know. I feel like he shot himself in the foot a little bit by like like trying to have a, an actually sustainable fight instead of just doing ridiculous shit for three minutes and trying to kill the guy instantly. Because you know him having a more considered technical approach to the fight still just meant. You know, it just meant being further away from the guy and just winging uh, one really huge shot at a time was mostly was mostly just winging left high kicks, just raw. Um, and Bonfim is just he, he's he's very good. He's very experienced. He's only you know his last loss was to Hanato Moicano, and he knows what he's doing everywhere and. McKenny just he does he doesn't have any depth in any area. He just has a, a bunch of like 
single really dynamic offensive things that he can do. And he, you know, those things work for him when he just like spams them in an explosion of ridiculous athleticism and, and then murders himself doing. Whereas in this fight, he didn't even give himself the chance to pull that kind of thing off and just let himself get figured out by a way craftier and technically better fighter who uh, knocked him the fuck out with the flying knee in the second round. Pretty much. I think you, you hit the nail there because McKinney, obviously very dynamic. I think he has very good timing and eye for openings, but uh, he doesn't have like any like craft or depth to, to his striking. So he really needs to overwhelm his opponents to find those moments. He's not, because he's not manufacturing anything. So I think the, the chaos was a better appro- approach for him. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like a way worse AJ McKee. And like once he doesn't get a first round finish and you really make him show you something, it's like, what does this guy do? <laughs> yeah. Just like AJ McKee's second fight was Pitbull, it, except, except he got fucking killed. <laughs> Except he, he's a lot worse. Yeah, than, exactly. Than I mean, McKinney is very dangerous, obviously, but but yeah, I mean, it's the UFC is not the place to try to become like a smarter fighter. You you already got here like too soon. I mean, not even too soon. McKinney has quite few fights already. I think this is just the fighter that he's always gonna be. And yeah, you know, if it, if, if, if you know, he lost this exact way to Sean Woodson back on the Contender Series. Yeah, at least at least against Woodson he tried to be like more aggressive. Like yeah, yeah. this was a but but that was still just a fight where you know he got Woodson's back. He was working for the choke. He couldn't finish it, and he got figured out, and he got knocked out with a flying knee in the second yeah. round. And <laughs> it just you know if he and he didn't learn from that. He just went. He just went back to the regionals. Got a few more first round knockouts over people he's way more athletic than, and that got him into the UFC. And he comes in and f- fucking destroys Matt Frivola, who, you know, that's a thing that can happen to Matt Frivola, but if it didn't, then Matt Frivola was going to give him a rough fucking night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know, he's dangerous enough that he came this close to pulling it off against Drew Dober, but Drew Dober's crazy tough and very experienced. And if you capitulate against him, he's going to finish you. It seems like he's maybe finally learnt this, but just way too late. And yeah, he's not—he's not in the place to make technical growth, and he's probably just past the point in his career where it's gonna have any noticeable effect. How old is Terence? Uh, I don't think he's that old. It's just like I say, like you said, he's had quite a few fights, and he's had this kind of thing happen before, and not made the the kind of developments that you would want to see to to think that he's going to be able to do anything more than that as a fighter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, we understand why he fought in this way, but you got to add, like, something to make up for the fact that you're not overwhelming people anymore. And he did not do that. He Get a jab, dude. Do some feints. Yeah. And he's still dangerous. Like, he still throws very hard. He's quick. The timing is still good, but... But that can only take you so far. I mean, Ambon him here was like showed that he was also a very, very good athlete. So Yeah, and the perfect not- Bonfim coming into the UFC, I think the perfect time. Yeah. He's 
basically in his physical prime, he's a complete fighter. He's more or less the best version of himself that he's going to be. And I don't think you need to give him fights for him to be able to develop in the UFC. You can just... Yeah, match him up. Yeah, just match him up. So who who would you like to see uh, Bonfim fight? Bonfim? Um, I don't know, man. Obviously not ranked yet, but, but I guess he he could get something close. I would not be against a rematch against Moicano, to be honest. Man, he would beat the fuck out of Paddy Pembler. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a step down, he, really. He like, Paddy McKinney. <laughs> McKinney would also kill Paddy Pimblet. <laughs> Both him is way too good for Paddy Pimblet, but... I mean, who else is there? Um... Man, I'm blacking on names here. Well, that's fine. We, we don't have to do this for all of them. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to see him soon. He's a very good fighter, one of the most exciting prospects in the UFC right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Nicholas Dalby uh, had a good fight with Wally Alves. It was kind of... I don't think it was the fight that many people expected them to have in that Dalby won the first round and then... Wally Alves won the third round? Yeah, and it came to the second one. I think I think I gave it to Alves, but but Dalby obviously had like better optics. Yeah, because... I didn't mind it. It was it was a very close fight where like I said, I think they had one reasonably clear round each, and then the second round kind of comes to it, it comes down to, you know, good consistent volume versus a few clean, high quality right hands. I don't mind I don't mind that much either way that you want to score this fight. I'm just like Ah, Nicholas Dalby earned it. Yeah. Always got to respect Nic- Nicholas Dalby for, you know. For being a fighter in shape that can fight for 50 minutes. Yeah, and, you, you know, a fighter who just has to try, try way harder than Wally Alves because he's not athletic and he's getting up there in age. He's you know, had problems with substance abuse in the past. You know, got cut from the UFC and had to make his way back in Cage Warriors. It's, it's just always a good feeling when Nicholas Dalby shows up and has a good fight. Yeah, for sure. I th- think it was a good showing by Alves. Especially with the problems that he has had in the past, I, I think it was a step in the right direction. Yeah, it was a much more consistent performance than I've seen from Alves. That, that There was a lot of, like, he would come out hot in the first couple of minutes of a round and he would land some good shots. And then Dalby would, like, press him up against the cage for a little bit and he'd be tired and then Dal- Dalby would be, be putting the volume on him. And then they, they kind of repeated that a few times. <laughs> Alves looking for single big shots while while Dalby was just like you know trying to just put put out numbers and and keep keep a lot of variety. He was doing nice work with kicking off of stance switches, you know, keeping Alves's guard up with the left high kick and stuff like that. That also looked like he had more pop in this in his punches this time around, uh, and yeah, I mean, oh. By the way, Warley Alves, the original guy to walk over Munir Lasses. Oh, yeah. Just melted him with body kicks. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Uh, maybe Alves. Do you have any idea for Alves? I mean, maybe like... Um, maybe he could fight... Uh, uh, the, both him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with that. 
Yeah, but Bonfimi, like, can maybe, like, fight Alves and then fight, like, Luke, and he can graduate for the, like, the action fighter with a front headlock game. Uh, Josiane Nunes for Zara Fern. Yeah, people mostly thought this was just going to be, like, a walk in the park for Nunes, but she, she's, like, quite small. Yeah, she's not a, she's not a featherweight. No, and this, this fight up at featherweight, even though they, it, from what people are saying, it does sound like they really are just getting rid of the women's featherweight division. I don't know. Maybe they just needed to give Zara Fern one more fight and they were like, oh, well, have, have a bantamweight that we like, just not have to cut weight yeah. and beat her up. And they ended up being a pretty bad fight for Nunes because... Or maybe, maybe they saw something about Fern that was bad for Nunes. Maybe. I thought they, she, she could win a win and then get a title shot to lose against Amanda or something. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I didn't hear many people like giving Zara Fan much of a chance in this fight. But no, no, I thought I thought Nunez was going to fuck her over, and then Fern was the size of a male <laughs> welterweight. Yeah, very large, <laughs> and you know, has has a rangy style where she can be dangerous, and especially for stocky people. Yeah, yeah, uh, all of her stoppage losses have come on the ground, which Nunez wasn't going to push. And she was just, you know, she just chased her around trying to club her with big left overhands, and it worked. But it was a much dicier fight than, uh, than I think people would have liked for Nunes because she realistically should be a flyweight. Yeah, and she would be very good at flyweight. Yeah, and she, you know, she's smaller yes. than Jessica Andrade and nowhere near as athletic as her. I mean, she's pretty athletic, but not not Jessica Andrade. No, and she, you know, she she but... she doesn't have anywhere near like the speed, and I think. But she would. She would be a huge puncher at one twenty-five. Yeah, whereas I think, uh, I I think she might even just run into some some tricky matchups with if she sticks around a bantamweight. I think Raquel Pennington would kind of like outclass Josiane Nunes. Yeah, I would rough her up in the clinch, maybe. Um, well, just like bump her up like, from range as well. Yeah, whereas, I don't know. May, may, it, it seems like Nunes. Josiana Nunes would have a better chance of of getting a title shot and being the champion at 135, but would just have more longevity as a good addition to women's flyweight. But I, I don't know what she wants to do. But um, I was actually quite impressed with uh, Daniel Marcos. Um, the opening opening fight, he fought Simon Oliveira. Um, just beat the absolute shit out of him. Did really nice work with pressure, punching into the clinch, and then like punching in clinch transitions, um, working the body, kicking Oliveira on exits. You know, Oliveira was just, he was just constantly like giving his back to run away and then trying to turn through with back fists and shit. And Marcos was just having none of it. Just had a really solid, consistent performance, had nice shot selection, knew what he was doing and just beat the shit out of the guy, stopped him in the second round. Yeah, it was very impressive performance. I mean, Simon Oliveira is like, Low tier bantamweight, but he's still pretty good. Um, Marcos just punished him all the way. Uh, didn't have a lot of trouble with the pressure coming from Simon. Um, looked pretty solid. I mean, he has fast hands, uh, put good combination together, goes to the body and to the legs very hard, and uh, takedown defense is pretty solid. So yeah, another fantastic addition to the UFC bantamweight division. Yeah. But the way it just keeps getting better. It just, and better. just keeps getting and more some, ridiculous. I don't, I don't know. And some other divisions just get worse. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, Marcos, Marcos just fight another 
another low level like bantamweight, then it's going to be a banger. Yeah, this is um, this is a good performance, but nothing that says to me like, oh, this guy is an instant contender. No, of course. Uh, and I I would say like keep Simon and give him like less one chance because he's very fun to watch. He's fun and he's dangerous, but he's I don't know how long he's going to stick around. He's too uh, he's too vibey and opportunistic. His last fight, he was just looking for the same guillotine over and over again, and it wasn't working. And this one, you know, his one answer to pressure was to just run away and try and do a back fist, and he got punished for it so many times. Yeah, he would really need like a fighter that just pipes a trench to get his game going, and I'm not sure he's going to get that at bantamweight. But oh, maybe he could fight like uh, Trevin Jones. Yeah, Trevin Jones versus Simonson sounds good. I'm I'm up for that one. That would be a good fight between like athletic guys with not much of a process. But still very dangerous. So that's the pay per view. It was it was pretty good watching live. I had a lot of fun watching the fights. It was a decent honest. card. I enjoyed it. I, again, I don't know what people make of this as a as a pay per view, you know, title fight quality card. But um, I enjoyed it. it. Was violent as fuck. That was very violent. Any last things to shout out before we get out of here, Fainer? I'm working on it, but I'm not sure it's going to be ready yet. But I'm working on on ten fights, uh, ten underrated performances that were that you can learn from from last year. So it's taking me a while because it's a lot of fights. But but yeah, look forward to that. Sounds great. Yes, as always, if you enjoyed this content, all the other great stuff the fight site puts out, uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon. A pledge of just five dollars gains access to a huge library of really high quality analytical content and a Discord server where we have a great community full of interesting fight fans who are fun, fun to hang out, hang out with and talk to. You can talk to staff, ask us questions. Uh, it's always a good time. Uh, this has been the Forbidden Technique Podcast. You can catch us next week where I guess we're going to be talking about UFC Fight Night, Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. We'll see you guys later. Peace.